everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have uh, Hillsborough County Criminal Defense Royalty, Pinellas County Defense Royalty, Danny Hernandez, nice enough to stop by amidst uh, apocalyptic days, uh, pandemics, whatnot, and kind of tell us about his take on what's going on in the court system, how they're handling uh, this COVID issue, and tell us a little bit about his his journey uh, as a criminal defense attorney and where he grew up and things like that. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. I've never been called royalty, so I'm I'm very very honored. Well, I I I I've had cases against you. I've had cases with you, and uh, you you are definitely a pillar a pillar of the. Uh, legal community. So it's it's definitely an honor to have you on. Well, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. Now, Hernandez is a very rare name in Hillsborough County. You don't run into too many Hernandezes. So are you from here originally? I, I was born and raised in Tampa. spent most of my childhood either in West Tampa, where I lived, and Ybor City, where my dad worked. Uh, and yes, it's a very rare name in Tampa. It's it's funny because when I, when I was in law school in Gainesville back in the 70s, I actually when had a professor had a hard time figuring out how to pronounce it, oh, really? which was shocking to me because you know. Well, Gainesville back then was Gainesville backwards, the, yeah. Yeah, Gainesville back then wasn't exactly uh, Hispanics were not that well uh, known there. Well, yeah, and they became known for Hernandez much later. <laughs> in time yeah, too. that's true. Some irony there. So, uh, were you an only child? Do you have siblings? No, I have a brother. He's okay. eight years older. Okay. And uh, so that's my only sibling. But does he I live have... here locally, or he does? He he's an insurance salesman, pretty much semi-retired now. But uh, he lives in uh, Tampa, and we were both born and raised in the same areas. You know, live. Uh, he got married probably about at eighteen or nineteen. So that was the yeah. That's when he left the the nest. Big brothers are pretty important for younger brothers. Uh, one of the recurring themes that I hear a lot, you know, I, I like to talk a lot about music with people on the show, and big brothers always seem to be the entry point for younger brothers into uh, oh, their uh, cultural uh, tastes. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of the songs of the 50s are very familiar to me, Yeah. even though I was, you know, uh, normally wouldn't be listening to rock music, but because of my brother, I was uh, very versed in Sam Cooke and all of the, uh, uh, you know, stars of the 50s. You got a, a, a jump on all your friends who maybe were only children or, or didn't weren't, weren't the youngest in the family. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, where did you go to high school? Uh, went to. I graduated from Plant. Okay. I actually went to Jefferson my sophomore year, and that's when they closed down. Okay. Uh, to the old Jefferson, and then I went to Plant in '68 and '69. So. What that's, did your parents do? Uh, my mother was a homemaker. My father was the manager of several theaters for a company that managed. Well. The, Back then, there was there was something called drive-in theaters. Oh, for sure. Which I know there was the one out there by the DMV on... Uh, but that's the only one that's left. That's all I knew about, uh, yeah. Well, that's the only... To my knowledge, that's the only one left. But yeah. back then, there were like six or seven. and But he was also the manager of the Ritz Theater in Ybor City okay. for, for sure. probably about 12 years. So, oh, wow. Uh, now, was that an actual cinema or was it a music... No, it was an actual cinema. They okay. used to play a uh, have a triple feature on Saturday, something that you don't 
no, you don't hear have about it. anymore. Yeah. You could go at noon and stay there until 8 or 9 o'clock watching three different movies. That's amazing. And now I've heard there, there's a potential for resurgence of uh, drive-in movies amidst all this virus. I, I, could... I, I saw the same article in the paper that you did. That would and... be kind of cool, I think. <laughs> it would be. That's, you know, as, as dark and as kind of uh, worrisome as current events are, I had this kind of abiding feeling that this might bring about some welcome changes in the way that day-to-day -day life looks. Um, I don't know. I'm, try I'm trying to be optimistic about it all. I suspect some changes will be positive, probably not the majority of the changes. Um, I, I guess, you know, the drive-in theater, you have to put up with some things. If yeah. in, the, in the summer, <laughs> Uh, you know, you have to have, they had this little thing that you put by your window that was, uh, let out some smoke and it, it shoot away the mosquitoes and yeah. things that you don't worry about too much anymore, right. but that was something that, uh, was, was common. That's funny. So, uh, now after high school, did you go straight to University of Florida? No, I went to USF. I got my undergraduate degree at USF and then I went to the University of Florida and got my law degree there. So what I was, was there. What was your undergraduate in? Uh, political science. Political science. Okay. Yeah. And then University of Florida, did your brother go through college or were you the... Uh, no, I was the only one that got a college degree. He did go to college, but not uh, he, didn't, he didn't get his degree. And um, he went to the University of Tampa, so it was a totally okay. different path. Are you the only attorney in the family? Uh, no, I have a cousin, Darlene Bearer, who is also oh, really? a uh, cousin of mine. I know her. I didn't yeah. know she was your cousin. Yeah. And she's just right up the road. Are she's... you guys in the same complex? No, no, no. She's about uh, maybe four blocks north right of Right on me. the same stretch. Uh, on Armenia, exactly. Very close. Very close. But about four four blocks down. I think one of her associates, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Anyway. Yeah, wow, I didn't know that was I didn't know that was your cousin. So uh, then law school at University of Florida, and what did you do coming out of law school? I, I immediately went to work for the state attorney's office. Which county? I, uh, Hillsborough County. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was a prosecutor for six years. Who was and, the uh, head state attorney back then? Uh, E.J. Salcinas. Okay. And I left in 82, at the end of 82. Uh, and I worked for a civil firm for just a short time, insurance defense firm and pretty much opened up my uh, practice that, that I have now. I opened it up um, in 1983. 83, 93, I mean, you're coming up on what, 30? I don't even want to talk yeah, about know, that. Scary, uh, that's, but... that's changed the subject. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, 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 uh, it's approaching, yeah, it's approaching, I guess, 40. I have to do the math. That's, I, that's crazy. I yeah. mean, I always appreciate to see... Uh, guys of your stature who have kind of made it to the other side of their career because sometimes it seems insurmountable, you know. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoy what I do. Uh, like anything else, it has its good days and its bad days. Uh, there are, you know, certain cases that you much prefer over others. But overall, I really uh, like what I do. And, you know, I start getting asked more and more about, you know, you thinking about retirement, and the, and the honest answer is, no, I'm not, because I, I don't have any hobbies unless you want to count watching Gator football. And eating uh, and amazing eating, meals. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's got to be limits to that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, no, I, as long as I'm physically and mentally able to do what I do, I want to stay doing what I do for as long as I can. Well, my dad, he was a school teacher, uh, and then he retired as a school teacher, but he was uh, obsessive compulsive by trade. And so when he stopped teaching, 
he became a house cleaner and he had six families and he would do clean houses six days a week and I think he ended up making more money cleaning houses <laughs> than he was making teaching school but he was a robust physically fit you know guy uh, but he ended up hurting hurt himself broke his leg putting up a carport and he had to stop cleaning houses and that was you could demarcate when he didn't have quote unquote a purpose to his day anymore that everything just kind of started to tail off exactly i it, it it's a big part of my day and if even with all this stuff going on now with this virus i find myself uh at times wondering what am i going to do next you know i've got i've got to keep busy and i i don't build things i don't have any hobbies i'm not a good handyman mm. i am pretty useless in many ways but uh, I love the practice of law, and, and yes, I, I hope that uh, retirement doesn't come soon. I've always, I've always uh, dreamt of having the ability to practice but not needing to do it, you know, sure. financially speaking. I think that would be liberating and allow me to be much more uh, selective. selective of what cases I take, feel more strongly about positions I take. I, there was a judge who I'm not going to give the name of over in Pinellas County that I always said if I won the lottery... I was going to put an ad in the paper that I would take any case in front of this judge pro bono, provided they let me take it to trial. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't won the lottery yet, but and, and I think I've cooler heads have prevailed on that offer. But uh, I've always, you know, I, I always think part of part of my problem with practicing law is having to do it for a living. Versus well, and and one of the things that I have been trying to do more and more, and I've pretty much done it, is uh, do strictly criminal defense. Yeah. Um, I used to do some family law, and pretty much that's, I didn't enjoy it, to tough, be honest with you. Tough, stuff, yeah. Um, and a couple of other areas. Not that criminal know. defense isn't tough, but it's a different type of tough. It, it's yeah. a different kind of tough. I know you do a lot of family, and uh, I I never particularly cared for that area, and, and I was a prosecutor for the minute that, you know, I got my law license, and... Uh, I still like criminal defense. You know, it, it, it's what I really enjoy, the blood and the guts. And, you know, I guess all the, uh, they, they don't make too many TV shows about people that write contracts, you know? Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> it's not one of the sexier areas Exactly. And did you ever have a partner or have you always been solo? No, I've, I've always been solo. I, I've worked with many attorneys on cases together and I've had, um, um, you know, associates on occasion, but it's it's always been my practice. Now, you also do, uh, what's it called? Uh, not conflict counsel, but like the government appointed. I, I do. I, I In fact, I have right now uh, a handful, at least, uh, more than, than a handful of, of pending murder cases that I've all appointed. I don't have any my private practice right now. There's not now, a lot of people who can afford to hire a private attorney for it's a murder hard. case. It's yeah. hard. Exactly. All my, all my or, capital you know. murder cases are are appointed, and uh, that's a good chunk of my practice. How many uh, murder cases would you approximate you've done in your career? Over 50. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I'm probably closer to 100. Are you death penalty certified? I am. What, is it, what does that require? It just requires taking CLE. You have, well, there is a requirement that you have to sit in on a number of cases and try a certain number of felony cases, which I exceeded, you know, of course, years ago. Uh, and you have to attend CLE uh, classes dealing with the death penalty. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, it, yeah, it's, it's a significant part of 
that, you know, there's obviously every case has a, an awful lot of discovery, a lot of reports, a lot of, a lot of reading. Right. And it, it, but I enjoy it. I, that's something that I really enjoy. I used to make the joke, and this is probably the joke that someone who hasn't done a bunch of murder cases uh, would make, but I always equated murder cases to batteries that just went one step further. Um, as compared to certain cases like a, even a DUI where you're pulling breath records and you're judging field sobriety exercises. I, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not minimizing the seriousness of these cases. And well, they much, are, it's much more grave and, in and nature. They're much sure. more grave. But, uh, and I'm not going to name uh, names, but uh, it, I've always felt this way, but it, it happened to me on a case where a defendant was charged with several murders and an attempted murder. And it's much harder to deal with an attempted murder than a murder case because, yes. uh, you know, sadly, in a murder case, the accuser, the ultimate accuser, the deceased, is deceased. Right. Uh, but I had a case where I had, it was a federal case where you had a, several murders, sort of a racketeering kind of situation. But the most devastating count was the attempted murder because the attempted murder involved a victim who was now a paraplegic as the result of the shooting. Yeah. And he comes in as a very, you know, comes into the courtroom, extremely pathetic yeah. uh, 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 person, you know, that's witness that's testifying. And he points to my client uh, that that's the man that put me in this wheelchair. So it's... Um, it's it's harder, you know. So it, it, in many cases, you're right. It's it's uh, it's a battery case that went bad. Well, and it's similar uh, in some ways in the civil arena with uh, auto accidents uh, versus wrongful death or injury cases versus wrongful death. In in a in a kind of a morbid irony, cases where the person was uh, injured severely but lived are usually worth more than those where the person perished because. Sure. You know, their cost of living with that handicap for the rest of their life is some part of the equation. Yeah, sure. it's much, much more difficult. So it's kind of, uh, you know, there's this morbid uh, judgment that we use, whether it's criminal or civil and looking at cases. And, you know, if something's a quote unquote good case, it's, it's usually because it's a horrific accident, which is probably one of the big reasons why uh, attorneys get a bad rap is because they kind of are looking at it in an inverted in a, way. From a different way. Yeah. For sure. Um, now, a couple couple things that I kind of know the answers to, but, you know, I, as the listenership of the show grows, not everybody that follows this or is an attorney or has been a part of the legal system. But uh, So I went to Stetson, and uh, I grew up with uh, Judge Demers's daughter, went to school with Judge Demers's daughter, ended up being his teaching assistant when I was at Stetson. And did trial with him, and I remember speaking to him at one point, and you know, you always get the question, how can you represent the criminals? And not a verbatim quote, but he said it, he said two things. Number one is, if you're gonna be a defense attorney, get used to representing guilty people, number one. And number two is, you know, the, the system is only str as strong as how it treats its, you know, weakest link or, or whatever. So Exactly. I've been asked that question probably uh, over 100 times in my career. And I, I answer it pretty much the same way, is, is that uh, everybody is entitled to legal representation as part of the judicial system. It's due process. And my job is to defend that person to the best of my abilities and make sure that their constitutional rights are being protected. 
Uh, it, it really is, my job is much easier than, say, a juror that has to make the decision as to whether the person is guilty or not, and in some cases that can mean life in prison or the death penalty, or a judge who's got to make the tough call and decide what the sentence is if the defendant is found guilty. Uh, my job is to advocate, to present the case, defend the client, present the case in the most favorable light to, to, to my client, and that's my job, and it, it, it's part of the system. It doesn't make me, I don't have any problems sleeping at night because I represent people that sometimes have committed horrific crimes. Now, in the death cases, does that weigh on you, uh, their, their existence, you know, their physical existence being kind of predicated on the outcome of whatever the, the case is? Well, it does carry a heavy burden, and I do take them very seriously, And but you can't take each case personally, sure. because if you take it personally, you can't do this job for an extended period of time. So although I, 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 it, it does carry a heavy burden for me, uh, and it's, I take it very seriously, no, I don't think I take any case personally to the extent that it affects my my life. Is that something you've had to work on? Is that something you've become better at over the course of your career? Or you... I think so, sure, because uh, you, you learn from experience, you know, and, and the fact that uh, I've been doing this for a long time, uh, I think, does prepare me to better accept certain outcomes. Sure, yeah. Um, now, have you ever thought about Judge? No, I never did. No? I uh, never did. I mean, it's too late for me now uh, to, to be thinking about it. But, uh, it, you know, it, it was mentioned uh, several times over a course of years, and I, I never gave it any serious thought. Right, right, it, right. It's, uh, I respect the judges. They've got a tough job, uh, but I always prefer doing what I do. Yeah. Now, your practice, is it pretty evenly split on both sides of the bay? I mean, my first experience of you was when I was a prosecutor over in Pinellas, I'm racking my brain trying to remember the name of the person, which we probably wouldn't say it on the radio anyway, but um, I remember it was in front of Judge Peters, and literally for the entirety of my time in Division A, that case was hanging around. The guy had like 18 continuances, and it wasn't your doing. Uh, it was I can't remember what it was about the case. I've asked you about it before, and at times I think you've recalled who it is that I'm talking about. But uh, there's no. I it, right now it doesn't come to mind. There's one name that comes to mind, but I think it was with a different prosecutor that that yeah. sort of fits that description. Uh, but in answer to your question, I uh, right now because I'm actually on the capital murder list in several circuits, uh, I actually do more traveling than I was, uh, say, 10 years ago. What other circuits are you working on? Uh, I'm working. I, I have I have murder cases in Marion County. Oh, I was hoping you didn't say Marion County. Marion County is just a different world. <laughs> well, I've gotten used to it, I guess. Yeah. I, I have, uh, I actually, I, I've had uh, cases in Sarasota, Manatee. I have. I love uh, Sarasota, Manatee. Yeah. They're very laid back. Well, and I also have two right now pending in DeSoto County in Arcadia. Oh, wow. So now, I've never been there, but at Arcadia, wasn't there like a string of like serial murders in Arcadia? I guess. <laughs> I, I think when I was growing up, I don't know if it's still there, it was where they housed certain insane, yeah. uh, they had some kind of insane asylum there, I think. I may be wrong. I remember my dad always sending, saying something when I was growing up about sending me to Arcadia. <laughs> well, Arcadia is, there's not much in Arcadia, but they have a great 
seafood restaurant called Magnolia's. Okay. So anyone that's in Arcadia should talk about get your the pride. I want to wrap up talking about your diet when we get to that <laughs> point. But, uh, so, uh, yeah, Marion County. So I've had a handful of cases up there. But the thing that, that kills me in, our, in Marion is you have zero discretion over your hearings. Like you come in and right off the bat, you know, it's arraignment, pretrial motion, pre-trial conference and trial and it doesn't matter what you have scheduled that day uh, that's true yeah that's true uh i've been able to occasionally uh work around it such as i've had occasional uh instant i've had a couple of instances where i've been able to do a stipulation for continuance uh signed by the prosecutor and the judge signing off on it and the pre-trial conference has just moved to the next sure. cycle well that's one of you know uh, the list of things that I admire about you is the way that you conduct yourself. There's a handful of attorneys that I would uh, call distinguished gentlemen. You know, there's you, there's Dick Watts, there's some of these other guys that, you know, they come in and when they say something, everybody takes them at their word. They're not questioned. They're not perceived as trying to pull one over. And whether you've done that by design or just as a, as kind of an extension of who you are, you know, I don't think there's anybody on either side of the bar or, or, or the bench that ha would have anything negative to say about you. And your word is taken at face value, which... Well, I greatly appreciate that. It's, I guess it's the way I was raised. I yeah. mean, I... Well, it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not across the board at all. And it's not, you know, as much as people sometimes kind of say it's a, an age thing, uh, there's, there's some people that I've run into that have been doing this for quite a while. And I'm just like, the fact you still have a bar license blows my mind. <laughs> So uh, it, it's definitely uh, appreciated. But um, how do you find, you know, I, I, I started in Pinellas County uh, under Bernie and, you know, there was all the things you heard about that office and then started to do more defense over in Tampa under Ober and then now Warren. Uh, how have you seen those counties uh, evolve over time? I think it's more consistent across the board now than it was 30, 40 years ago. There used to be a lot of bad blood between Hillsborough and Pinellas when I was uh, a prosecutor and then started out as a defense attorney. And uh, uh, quite honestly, uh, uh, Hillsborough uh, defense attorneys were initially not looked well upon in Pinellas. But you I think that... Teams, yeah. But, but that seems to have gone away, and, and certainly how you conduct yourself and the reputation you develop is going to affect how you're, get, how you're going to be treated by, by prosecutors and judges. Right. Um, so I, I think it's much more, uh, and as I told you, I, I practice in a lot of different counties, and I enjoy the variety, and I do see differences, but ultimately it's, it boils down to the same thing. Sure. And, and it's, you know... Hopefully, your reputation in one county, somebody passes it over to, uh, because I do appear sometimes before judges that I've never appeared before, uh, but hopefully your, your reputation precedes, uh, you, precedes yeah. you. Yeah. Um, now, did you say, I think I heard you say you're federally certified as well. I, I am. I, I have federal cases. I am uh, a member of the Middle District of, of Florida. I mean, I'm also a member of the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court, but I've, I've never appeared before the Supreme Court. So, so these cases on a federal level, my, my wife, for a period of time, she did an internship with the U.S. Attorney's Office. I know a number of people who worked there, both both sides. Uh, Judge Kovakovich lived across the street from me growing up. Oh. So 
Uh, I've always had kind of a, a, a distant relationship and understanding with the federal court, but it scares the hell out of me. I've just heard, you know, from a defense attorney perspective, if they file a case, it's it's usually well, yeah, you know, airtight. You don't get your discovery to the last minute. There's not a lot of cutting any deals. It's kind of trial by fire. Uh, to much extent, what you're saying is true. Uh, you don't get many cases filed in federal court that are really weak cases and occasionally you, that you might see in state court. Uh, the judges are all extremely uh, qualified. I've, I've practiced in front of Judge Bucklew and Judge Kovacevic for 30 years. Um, and um, uh, you don't get plea agreements like you get in state court. You know, the, the government doesn't offer you a specific deal. You sign a 17-page a like open, plea, uh, open plea, basically, you know, that they recommend, the government will recommend this and the government will recommend that. But honestly, when you sign the paper, you're not, you don't still know what you're getting. And, and the, the sentencing guidelines that are going to be applied but uh, a defendant who signs a plea agreement in, in federal court really doesn't have any guarantee of what his sentence is going to be as opposed to a plea agreement in state court. Right, right. Have you ever had any scary experiences with people that you've represented or people involved in the cases that you've represented? I have. Well, I, I have a great example. Well, please tell me because I have one that I still that keeps me up at night sometimes. Uh, well, no, I, I have never... Uh, uh, overall, I can't think of many examples. Certain clients you're a little more wary of, but I had a bad experience two years ago. Um, I had a, a client in Marion County, a murder case. The defendant was found guilty. Uh, during the trial, he just, you know, was a perfect gentleman. Um, and as the jury was walking away from the uh, courtroom, he started punching, and I was the main target until the um, uh, until the bailiffs. Uh, oh uh, he just started swinging. I, I assume he was aiming at me, but I Did think he, he was just. You? Oh yeah, I got hit in the back about four times. Oh no! And uh, uh, fortunately, he was to my left, and I was looking to my right where the jury was, so I didn't turn around. And I didn't get in punched chin, in yeah. the face yeah. or anything, which could have been much more serious. Um, but uh, if, if you've got a moment, I, I'm going to elaborate a little bit. Please. It, it's, um, it's funny now. It wasn't funny at the time. My glasses went flying, and I'm walking away from where the bailiffs are, are securing him. There's about four bailiffs, you know, fighting with him. But I realized I had lost my glasses, and I didn't know where my glasses were. And instead of going forward, I thought I had left them back where the bailiffs and the defendant are fighting. Right. And I didn't want to drive back from uh, Marion County. Are you uh, like completely my... blind with no, that? No, I'm or... not completely uh, blind. It's it's blurry, but yeah. I, in daylight I could have driven okay, but I still didn't yeah. want that to happen. So I actually turn around and go back towards the fracas, not because I want to be brave, but because I, I want glasses. to recover yeah. my glasses. Yeah. And as I'm kind of poking my hands where they probably shouldn't be, I start seeing this this something that appeared to me like copper wire. And I, I didn't understand what it was, but I, my hands, you know, and then I finally found the glasses to the side. 
But what it was, they were tasing him. Oh, no, you were grabbing the taser. I, I was stick, well, I didn't get tased, oh. but I was I was sticking my hands where I was very close to getting tased. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's, it's funny now. It certainly wasn't oh. funny back then. Oh, yeah. There was, uh, was it Don O'Sullivan or Don? Uh, do you remember him? He was an older Irish attorney over at Pinellas County. No. Sullivan O'Sullivan. I remember in, when I, I worked there for three years, and I saw him punched three different times by the defendants while he was I know here. there was a, a uh, public defender here in Hillsborough. This is 30 years ago, and he was legally blind. Mm -hmm. And he just gets in the middle of the trial, got cold cocked yeah. right in the face. Uh, yeah, scary uh, stuff. Did you know Alan Allweiss? He's an attorney. I, I, I remember him. He His was daughter kind of, Robin was a prosecutor over there. Did he get hit? I, I, I know. I, the story was, and I never confirmed it, but he was a family attorney. He was a tough, like he, I think he, who was Jim, Jimmy, was it Jimmy Russell? Who was the the state attorney before Bernie over there? Jimmy Russell. Yeah, he was like, I think like a second or third in command with Jimmy Russell. I, but, I met him, but I didn't know him very well. Yeah, but the legend has it, he got shot like six or seven times by an angry husband in a family law case. Oh, wow. And went on to practice family law for years and years and years afterwards. But I remember I was meeting him with him once and he said there's no room in this office that i'm not five feet away from a firearm or something like yeah, that that's that's yeah that's, that's they say scary. family law is one of the the most dangerous well this client you know obviously was in court and didn't have any weapons on him but um he was a tough guy yeah. he, he apologized later but well i guess when you get a, a life sentence or a yeah. big sentence you don't know how it was a mandatory at. life because it was first degree and they weren't seeking the death penalty so it was a mandatory life sentence gosh 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 so one of the other things that I, I, I love about you uh, is, is our shared affinity for uh, Nordstrom Cafe. Um, yes. We, we, when I'm not on a diet, tend to cross paths there a good deal. But I always enjoy seeing your meals that you post. Uh, you um, know, it, it's, it's more fun than anything else. I've, I, um, now it's harder to do it because everything is closed. Take out. Yeah, yeah I, I had a cheeseburger from uh, Jay Alexander today. That's one of your favorites. That one comes up a lot in the rotation. Well, and, and that is so close to my office. Is that the, why? The, you know, it's very close to my office, so it's easy for me. And they always have good, consistent food. Yeah. But I, I, I have fun more, you know, posting the stuff and, um, I definitely have uh, jealousy over some of the meals that you're posting. Well, there's basically three things that I post. Gator, yeah. gator stuff, uh, political stuff. Yeah. I'm a diehard you Democrat. And I, you and I are lined up there. And uh, and posting food. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's your buddy that lives by you that you always talk to, going to get coffee with them on Sunday morning? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. T basically, there's three people, even though with the stay away thing, we haven't gotten There's together. one guy you're always kind of... Razzing a little bit. Well, one guy, uh, there's Mike Durig, okay. his nickname uh, Rabbit. Okay. There's Alan Granda. Uh, Alan Granda's who I'm thinking of. And, and there's also a, a, a vet, uh, Dr. Ellen uh, Allens, Allens. Um It's funny because I've known Alan since the kindergarten. We went to, we've known each other ask forever. You guys must be childhood friends. Yeah. But he is a diehard Trumper. And oh, is he really? He, oh, yeah. And, and, uh, uh, we're on great terms, but uh, I, I I blocked him because oh, really? I blocked him because <laughs> he it was, couldn't read it. Yeah, he goes over the top, and I guess I do too. And it's better to and when we have coffee, I promise you, politics just never enters uh, into the conversation. I the 2016 election almost did me in. I was consuming so much media. I was listening to hours and hours of podcasts, hours and hours of news reading the newspaper, reading Newsweek, reading all these things. 
and uh, I was going to a therapist and I, and I had said to her, you know, I'm really concerned about this. And she said to you, well, how much do you think it's really going to impact you personally? Now, this was before the election. Yeah. <laughs> and the point she was making is, you know, it's kind of the, your local politicians are going to impact. I don't think she could, she, she saw what the future held. I think this might have been the outlier where it kind of impacts us all more than maybe might otherwise be true. But uh, I've, I've tried as best as possible this time around to pull back on it and, and not let it. Well, one thing that I'm doing is I'm not making any predictions because I made a lot of predictions in 2016 and they were all wrong. So, well, so was everybody's uh, predictions. Right. I never thought that uh, uh, Donald Trump would become president. I would have, uh, you know, just very confident he wouldn't get elected, but obviously I was wrong. So even though I, I believe that the midterm elections... Uh, suggests that a the blue wave is a lot bigger than it was in 2016. Uh, there's a lot of Trump supporters that will support him no matter what he says, no matter what he does. Thirty x percent. That's just unwavering. But so so if we can talk about, I, I try not to get into it too too much. On no, this no, show I'll, I I won't get into it if you don't. No, want I, to. I I don't mind it. I just I yeah. I, I don't want to be a left. Like, I don't just want liberals listening to my show, but, you know, it is interesting to me, and, you know, I'm interested in your opinion, but a couple of things that I think about. Number one is I think that Hillary was a lightning rod. We don't have that lightning rod this time around, so that's number one. Number two, Trump was an unknown quantity the first time around. He's not an unknown quantity anymore. So those two things together, I don't know how much those make a difference this time around. I'm... I, I, I wouldn't mind if Bernie was the candidate. It doesn't look like it's going to be him. It looks like it's no, going I, to be, you know, uh, Biden. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't feel that he's necessarily the strongest person we could be putting up against Trump. But I also, in the context of the times that we live in with this virus and everything else going on, I don't know how you can predict it because the right the base is just so out of whack. You, you... Yeah, this I, I have no idea when all this is said and done regarding the coronavirus. I don't know what impact this is going to have on the political scene. I, I Anybody can predict, but I, I really have no clue. Um, what I think, from my prejudice perspective, I think what it's showing is generally uh, President Trump is, is ill-equipped to handle crises. Uh, I, I think that you're right. I think the fact that uh, Hillary was a lightning rod, and um, I, I do think that the benefit of a Joe Biden compared to a Bernie is is that he's, I think, going to be much more helpful in getting the moderates and the um, even some Republicans that do not like Trump. And the swing states are the key thing. Right. Um, and... I, from my understanding of, of the political scene is that Biden would be much more able to win the swing states, the ones that actually lost the election for Hillary last time. Yeah, well, I hope they, they learned from uh, her missteps that first time around as far as where they campaign and where they spend their time and their money and the, having a, a message that's not, you know, never Trump. As your I, message. And I, I hope that 
the Bernie supporters, because I, I do believe that there's almost almost no chance that Bernie will be the nominee. I, I really hope that the Bernie supporters jump on the bandwagon. You know, I think that they were. Well, I'm a Bernie supporter, and I will jump on the bandwagon. But I'm not a I'm not an extreme like like there's certain people who get get really out there. Uh, you know, so I think I think there I don't know how much of his following I make up if I'm a minority or a majority, but I definitely think that they're out there. I, ha I had someone mention to me the other day, because, you know, he they did that, uh, the uh, debate, and uh, Biden announced that his vice president would be uh, a, woman. a woman. And so I was, I forget who it was I was talking to, but I was like, do you think it's going to be, uh, who's the prosecutor from California? Uh, uh, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Do you think it's going to be Elizabeth Warren, whatever? And, and someone said, well, I heard it might be Michelle Obama. And I was like, yeah, well, I've heard that too. <laughs> I was I, like, I, I chills think, went up and down my spine. I mean, I would love that would be the best thing ever. I, for me. I mean, me, I agree, but I have I've heard that thrown out on Facebook, yeah. but but I I don't think that that's realistic. I haven't really heard anything that shows that she would be interested. Uh, I I I tend to think it's going to be Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, uh, Stacey Abrams. Uh, or Amy Klobuchar, yeah. or possibly Val Demings, the uh, uh, representative from Florida. Okay. Uh, those are the names that I hear more than any other names. What about a split card? Could happen, I but love, I would love it. to give Kate such a call. I mean, somebody threw out to why don't they go with uh, Oprah Winfrey? You know, but that's that's not going to happen. I would love. I, I can't. I, it's happened before a split card, hasn't it? Uh, well, I didn't happen with, um, uh, what's his name? Um, McCain and, uh, not McCain. Yeah, McCain and, uh, I forget now his name, the, the vice presidential candidate for Al Gore. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, the guy who got in trouble with the sleeping around his wife. No, 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 no. Oh. oh I think he was being... Well, he didn't be. He was being considered. considered I think he as, picked, uh, uh, he picked up Sarah Palin, yeah. but uh, but I think he, he was being Lieberman. Uh, Joe Lieberman. Oh, Joe Lieberman. Okay. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was being considered as a. Didn't potential. they co-author some bills together? Wasn't that? They, yeah, yeah, he, he did. Yeah. He did. He yeah. did. He was being considered, but it never, it never, uh, it never happened. But I, I thought it was being considered seriously. Um, you know, and, and back to the Bernie thing. Um, I remember Sarah Silverman, the comedian, sure. who was an, an ardent Bernie supporter. Right. And uh, she was at the con uh, convention, I thought, and, and basically made a little speech and basically addressed the Bernie supporters. And, and if, if the question was, are you honestly thinking of staying home or are you honestly thinking of voting for Trump? Don't be ridiculous. Yeah, and 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 I think that that's the message to the Bernie supporters is that maybe Biden is not your first choice. I get that, but look at the alternative. Well, and it kills me. And I've I've, I've been trying to get him on here, uh, but he's one of the busier attorneys locally. He's my, one of my old kind of partners, Brian Camerino. We have oh, yeah. this, you know, running discussion that he doesn't vote or doesn't like to vote, and that that just kills me. <laughs> I don't well, imagine and I have, like believe me he and I have been debating that for <laughs> several years for since the 2016 election. Yeah. And I think his position is it doesn't make any difference 
so why bother? Um, I disagree with Bryant. I'm friends with Bryant, but I strongly disagree with him. Have you been watching Ozark on Netflix? This is the no. series, a uh, great no. series if you have Netflix called Ozark, and it's about this accountant and his wife, and they become money launderers up in the Ozarks and all this other stuff. But no, I haven't, I haven't even heard about really it. Really good. Jason Bateman is the lead actor, and everything. It just season three just came out on uh, Friday, but he his he's he's a very um, logical guy, and kind of part of the problem is is he's emotionally distant from his family, but he's very numbers driven, and they've they've gotten to the point in the season now where they've they bought this gambling boat where they're laundering money for drug cartels in South America and all this other stuff. But he's pretty sure that uh, FBI is, is investigating him. And he says, I can't predict what any one person can do, but if you give me a million people, I can predict within 0.3% of what they're going to do. And I can tell you what routines they're going to follow to do what it is that they're going to do. So that's the kind of thing that I think about when I hear, you know, it doesn't matter if I vote or not. It's like, it matters if a million people vote or not. It matters, you know. Sure, it and does. It's a million individuals, and you know. I mean, there's there's no question that Hillary uh, did not get people excited, and a lot of people there was a lot of uh, apathy, um, and there's no question that if if the Democrats had gotten a bigger turnout, this it wouldn't even been close because generally Democrats, and I don't have statistics to to point out, but I think that. There was just a bad turnout by Democrats. And they still have the majority. <laughs> they do. They do. They, yeah, they did. Yeah. So anyway, well, um, now, you, so going on 35, 40 years, so when did you pass the bar? 1977. So, so have you seen anything even remotely similar to what we're going through with this COVID virus oh, in your no. practice? No, my practice is closed down for a couple of days for a hurricane. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've, I've practiced through hurricanes. I was in law school during September 11th. Uh, no real wars since I've been in practice. No, nothing. I have experienced nothing like this. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, a hurricane might close you down for a day or two. Uh, the courts shut down for a day or two. 9-11... Uh, changed the procedures you know such more security, as yeah. more security but everything re i can't remember exactly but I, I don't believe the court shut down at all maybe yeah. one day possibly um but um is your business slowed down at all sure yeah well and, and the phone doesn't ring as much when the courts are shut down you can't set depositions and and p potential clients aren't in the biggest rush in the world if they have a court date coming up in a week or two right uh they're more motivated to to you hire, know call yeah. and hire you or make a payment or whatever and that is not a big deal right now because we don't even know when the courts are going to reopen which is scary i have no clue what the criminal courts are going to look like when we resume. I, I had a trial scheduled for today in Marion County. I had another one scheduled in Arcadia April 13th. Yeah. I have no idea when all that is going to get rescheduled. And it's just me. Can you imagine the number of cases oh. that have been rescheduled and uh, trials? I had a judge tell me uh, Friday, last week, Thursday, that in Pinellas County, that even if they resume say at the end of April, the clerk's office is saying for a rescheduling of trials, it'll take another six weeks for the summons and everything to get out. So that means that even, even if we resume at the end of April, which is no guarantee, uh, 
I don't think you're going to see trials until midsummer. And are they, what are they going to do with the trials that would normally be getting set? That you're going to be tripled? They're going to need extra divisions, or I don't know well, I, I suspect that some of. I, or do you think there's going to be better deals offered? Or I, I, I think yeah, I think um, I do think we're going to see some better deals along the way because the the system is getting overwhelmed. But the lengthier trials, some of which I have, will probably get bumped to 2021 because. Yeah. Um, it's, it's easy to schedule a two-day trial, but how do you schedule a three-week trial if, if you had blocked off three weeks in, in May or, or whatever? Yeah, um, I must have so. to go another year out. Now, you have two daughters? Two daughters. Are they at home right now with all this going on? or? Are they... uh, well, no. Uh, my oldest is, is married and living in Denver. She was oh, living wow. in New York, but her husband got a different job in finance, same uh, different company. And is living in Denver. Is that a recent move or? Uh, very recent, in the last couple of weeks. Oh wow! And they lived in they lived in New York City for, uh, I guess, two and a half years, something like that. It's good they got out when they did, because now you're persona non grata if you're from New York or New Jersey. Uh, exactly. Yeah, they they moved in late. Well, it's been probably about three weeks now. Um, and uh, my my youngest daughter is living at home because. She's in college, but oh, they closed up. This, she was supposed to get her degree in May seventh, and the commencement ceremony and all that has been canceled. I I, I assume she'll still get her degree, but the commencement uh, is that, ceremony. Is she at UF? No, no, she's at FAU. Okay, okay. Um, what, what did she study? Yeah, uh, communications. Oh, okay. And is your wife working, or is she? No, she's she was okay. a court reporter. Okay. When, oh, really? Uh, uh, when we first met, okay. but after the, we after Elizabeth, the oldest daughter, was born, shortly after that she she quit. So okay. she's been a homemaker for thirty years. Well, thank you so much for coming by. It's always a pleasure uh, hearing your stories and and running into you. I really appreciate you uh, telling us about your uh, your time locally practicing law. Uh, how can people find you online? Do you have a website or? I do. I, I don't, don't even remember know <laughs> I don't even remember the. Just the, Google Danny Hernandez, or yeah, is that do you professionally go by Danny or, or Danny? Uh, my official name is Daniel M. Hernandez, okay. but everybody calls me Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you are in need of a criminal attorney, uh, state on state or, or federal level, there's not a better choice out there. He's a great guy, great attorney, and a great guest for our show. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Josh. Take care.